Hey there, everybody. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to go ahead and offer the usual disclaimer. As the name would suggest, I'm just an average guy. I'm not a theologian, and I have no Bible degrees of any sort. The topics covered in this podcast are the results of my own study and understanding, and any and all opinions expressed are just that, my own opinions. I encourage everyone listening to treat this not as an end-all be-all for your understanding, but as a jumping-in point for your own study. I hope that the verses and perspectives provided inspire you to cultivate further growth in your spiritual walk. Now with all that out of the way, let's get into the episode. What is up everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So before we get into the episode, we're going to do a little housekeeping real fast. I just want to give you a heads up. Today's episode is going to be part one of a two-episode combo, walking through the basics of what salvation is, how it works, and why we need it. This is a big topic. It's a big set of topics. So for that reason, I really felt like it was best to stretch it out over a couple episodes and a couple weeks to really have enough time to cover it, to digest it. So that's what we're going to be doing. So uh, stay tuned. If you like what we're talking about today, I think you're really going to love next week. Some really great stuff and just a wonderful topic to get into. Very pivotal to the Christian faith, to evangelism, just a lot of things. And for that reason, for all the topics that we're going to cover in this week's episode and next week's episode, there will be deeper dives on those topics and ideas coming in later episodes. But this is more of a 30,000-foot overview if you will, covering a broader range of topics that all kind of fall under this umbrella of salvation and everything that leads up to that and has to do with that. So you may remember that three-part question that I asked, which is, what is salvation, how does it work, and why do we need it? And we will be answering that question, but actually in reverse order. And this is something, an idea that I was exposed to recently, and it's this. Salvation is great, but You need to know how it works to really make use of it. And to even care about it in the first place, you have to understand why you need it. You know, having a savior is great, but it's really only good news to someone who feels like they need saving, right? So for that reason, we're going to approach those in reverse order and really try to build up to this in the way that I think is very helpful to present it. So you may have noticed that today's episode is titled A Sinful Nature. And actually, I was originally going to title this something to do with natural depravity or total depravity, and I decided to pick this title because I felt like it fit a little bit better with the overall group of topics and ideas that we would be talking about. And so as we get into this discussion, I want to go ahead and define that phrase, total depravity, because especially that second word. It can get a little complicated if you've never heard it before. Basically, this refers to the concept that we as humans and as God's creation are fallen and sinful at our core. We are a broken creation. And so I just want you to keep that in mind. That's kind of going to be a central theme throughout this episode as we get into our first and really main discussion question because a lot's going to stem from this. And, And this is the question. Are people inherently good or inherently evil? Another way to phrase this, maybe a little catchier, that really appeals to the Baptist in me, 
is what is the nature of our nature, right? At our core, what kind of people are we? And there's this dichotomy between those two things because good is only meaningful when it's contrasted to evil and vice versa, right? If there's no contrast in things, then something isn't really good or bad. It just is, you know, things, things aren't good or evil. They just are. If there is no contrast between those two extremes. Now, because of how essential that contrast is to defining these terms, there's often a little bit of subjectiveness in coming up with what is good and what is bad, particularly in the context of our current culture. And so to answer this question and to really shore up our approach here, we're going to need to set guide rails for what is good and what is bad. And to do that, we're going to turn to the instructions clearly laid out in Scripture. And I think that this is really helpful because Scripture is unchanging. And within that is this inherent acceptance of a philosophy of objective truth. Now, I know I just dropped what can be a rather confusing topic or concept. And so I'm going to try to explain this briefly of this, this idea of objective truth, just so that we can move on with the discussion. And there's a, a lot more of a deep dive that you can do into this as well, if it's something that interests you. It's something that I'm very passionate about personally, I will admit. But it's this concept that is central actually to many mathematical and scientific processes that people apply to tasks every single day even in irreligious contexts. And so, simplified, it's this. In every instance where there are two conflicting claims, something is true. That's the idea of objective truth. That may be one of those claims, or neither of those claims. But there is one thing that is true, and it is unchanged by whether you believe it or not. Now, if that sounded a little confusing like I'm talking in circles, here's a hands-on example. You and I stand in a room, and I say that 2 plus 2 is equal to 6, and you say that 2 plus 2 is equal to 3. Now, at the end of the day, 2 plus 2 is equal to 4, unless you've read Orwell's 1984, and that's a whole other beast. But whether you or I believe that 2 plus 2 really does equal 4, that doesn't change the fact that it's true. You can contrast this to the idea of subjective truth, which simplified, says that actually you and I would both be right. I'm right to say that it equals 6, and you're right to say that it equals 3. Because at the end of the day, as long as we believe that we're right, then we are. Because that's what's true to us. And if you've ever heard someone talk about my truth, or your truth, this idea that truth is all just relative is really what's at the core of that. Those are the contrasting ideas of objective truth and subjective truth. And if the latter sounds a little bit silly to you, then you probably believe that there is an objective truth, whether you're religiously affiliated or not. And so, refocusing on our topic of a sinful nature, that's how we're going to approach this. We're going to work off the understanding that in cases examining physical and moral understanding, there is an objective truth. There is something that is true, whether someone accepts it or understands it. And so that's why we're going to be using scripture, because 
in my opinion, this is the ultimate example of an accessible and clearly defined source of objective truth to measure against. Now, to put this discussion in biblical terms, we're going to shift a little bit from good and bad, and we're going to introduce a concept called righteousness, a virtue, if you will. And righteousness defined is the quality of being morally correct or justifiable. And this is a word that pops up pretty regularly throughout scripture. And so I felt like it would be a lot more helpful to go ahead and just shift our focus here since it's really at the heart of what we're discussing. So our first group of scriptures for today is going to come out of Romans chapter 3. And it's going to be a larger chunk verses 9 through 18. So without wasting any time, we're going to jump right into this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow, so that's a pretty dismal set of verses at first glance. And so we're going to offer a little bit of context here because I can understand how that could seem like it comes out of nowhere if you're not familiar with what's going on around here in the scripture. Romans was written by Paul. He wrote all of Romans. And in this particular passage, he is calling out the sin of every human. And he is noting our constant shortcomings and, shocker, our sinful nature. And you may notice towards the beginning he says, for it is written, or as it is written. And then he proceeds to cite a bunch of verses. These actually come from Psalm 14. So Paul is even quoting Old Testament scripture here. Now you've probably heard the first part of this verse, potentially at least, where he says, you know, none is righteous, no, not one. But I think the rest may not be as well known because often the the beginning part will be quoted just briefly in a Bible study or in a sermon and there's not really time to read all the rest and and maybe it's not particularly important to the point that the preacher or the teacher is making. But I'm going to go ahead and ask this and it's rhetorical because, I mean, you can feel free to answer but I won't hear you right, this is a recording. Do any of these descriptions sound like people in history or even individuals today? Really think about that. Go back, listen to it again, or open your Bible or your Bible app and read these verses and ask yourself, do some of these descriptions sound like people, like a lot of people even? I would say absolutely that there are plenty of folks then, obviously, that fell into this category, and unfortunately there are some people now that would also fall into this. And you could make the case, well, obviously those things are bad, those are bad descriptions, but that doesn't mean that every person is bad, right? Some people are bad, but I'm not. 
I'm not bad. And to that, I would answer with a couple other passages here. So we're going to go with an Old Testament first, and then we're going to reference another verse in Romans. So jumping in here, the first set of verses, actually just a singular verse, it's going to come from Isaiah chapter 64. It's going to be verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. If you're reading King James Version or some other versions, it may also say our righteousness is as filthy rags. I kind of prefer that one a little bit better, but we're keeping it standard. All these verses are coming out of the ESV, as a lot of people will know if you listen to episode one maybe episode two where I explain that. And so context here, obviously this is an Old Testament verse, and as with a lot of the Old Testament, it's following Israel, which is God's people. And this is addressing the sins of God's people, which unfortunately throughout the Old Testament was usually very regular and recurring. And you may notice here that This verse does not exclude anybody. It says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And so, this is speaking that actually everyone is in this boat. So now we're actually going to go ahead and move on to the New Testament verse that I mentioned. And this one is going to come out of Romans chapter 14, and it's verse 23. But whosoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is one of those, I think that it might have been helpful to have read a larger portion of verses, but for the sake of time and brevity, I'm going to offer a summary of the context here. Please, if this is confusing at all, or if the way that I explain it doesn't really resonate with you, just go back and read the latter part of Romans chapter 14. I think it'll make a lot of sense, but I'll try my best to explain it here very briefly, because as with a lot of scripture, if you don't know what's happening around it and you just read a single verse, it can really feel like it comes out of nowhere. So it says, whosoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. And I know you're probably thinking, what in the world does eating have to do with this? Well, this was referring to eating certain foods which were previously considered unclean under the Old Covenant. And these things were made clean in the New Covenant. That's why you'll see Christians eating pork and Jewish people uh, still will not. That's just one example, because those are considered, that's considered an unclean meat. But under the New Covenant, Christ actually declares that all these are clean. And so this particular verse and the verses preceding it are actually talking about choosing to partake of that or not. And it's basically saying that if you doubt the correctness of an activity, you should refrain. And it also speaks a little bit about not causing others to stumble, and if partaking of that would cause another to stumble, then just don't partake of it. right? And ultimately, that's a big thing, is denying yourself, which we'll get into later in in a later episode. But the point that I really want to hone in on here comes at the very end of that verse, and if you have a keen ear, you may have already picked up on what I'm going to mention, but the last sentence there, it says, for whatsoever does not proceed from faith is sin. 
for a long time, I had this idea that, you know, sin is this list of things. You know, you don't steal, you don't kill, you don't swear, and and that's that. Add a few more and you're good to go. That was the misconception that I had, particularly when I was younger. And it wasn't really until recently, in the last few years, that I heard a very good, and I would say all-encompassing uh, definition of sin, particularly prior to salvation. And it's this, that everything done apart from God is sin. Because that is a topic that is often hotly contested. And it's, you know, what if what if someone is not saved? What if they're not a Christian, but they're doing something that's good? They're helping someone. Surely that's not sinful. And ultimately, yes, anything done apart from God is sin because we are not capable of glorifying God when we are apart from God. And that's what this verse is affirming, right? Anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin. And ultimately, any, quote, good thing that we would do that our culture, that our world would deem is good, is done to further our own goals or glorify ourselves or for some other motive. And oftentimes, we're proud of the things that we do. If you've ever heard of virtue signaling, it's become more and more prevalent, I think, over the years. And it's all about, see how good and kind and respectable that I am. If you've ever seen those videos of people going out and buying 50 Big Macs, and they they hand them out to homeless people from the back of their car, and they video themselves doing it, they post it on social media, that's a great example of virtue signaling. Because... At the end of the day, they want the positive PR. They want people to know that they fed a homeless person. And it's not just out of the goodness of their heart that they want to help. It's not because they've had a heart change and they feel called to have compassion on others to help and to love others as Christ loved us and still loves us. We care about what people think of us. And this is just a prime example of something that isn't even necessarily bad, but it's done for the wrong reasons. It's done to glorify ourselves. And because of that, it is a sinful thing. You're probably pretty down in the dumps now, now that you've heard me saying that at the end of the day, we have a a sinful nature and a sinful core, you know, answering that question, what is the nature of our nature? Pretty bad. Very bad, in fact. And it's true. I mean, I just spent the majority of this episode throwing down on humans and citing scripture that supports just how wicked, sinful, and prideful that we are at our core. So what do we do with this understanding? This understanding that our human nature is actually pretty lousy. Should we just wallow in self-pity and lament at how sinful we are? Absolutely not. You will have to tune in next week for the deep dive into what the process of repentance and salvation looks like, because there's a lot more than I could really get into here. And like I said, I really try to keep these episodes shorter and easier to digest so that you can have some time through the week to delve into the word, to study and grab hold of that understanding, to answer the curiosity that God may be stirring in you. 
But I do have a section of verses here that gives a simple explanation of what's to come. It's a little bit of an overview, an appetizer for next week's episode, if you will. But it comes from Romans chapter 3, and it's verses 21 through 26. I know, a lot of Romans this week, but I just couldn't pass it up because there are so many good and applicable verses here. So here we go. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. To put this into perspective, here Paul is just pointing out the imperfection and shortcomings of every person at some point or another. Right? He says, all have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned. And he gives a little explanation of the gospel story. And so that's why I wanted to offer this, because that is the next step. How do you respond to understanding our brokenness, to understanding that we are a broken creation? It's to turn to God. It is to to repent. Once you understand that you need a Savior, that you are in a dire circumstance that you need saving from, grab hold. Grab hold of that lifeline. Don't let go. And so I hope that this episode has shed some more light on the topic of our natural depravity, if you will, of our sinful nature as that broken creation. And just with our previous episode on doubt, remember that, as is often the case, our response and the next steps that we take are what make such a difference. So next week, we will do a more detailed breakdown of the process of repentance and salvation. But if this episode feels like a call to action to you, I just want to encourage you for a moment to do some digging into these topics ahead of our next episode, right? If you feel like this is an urgent time and you are called to response, don't wait. Don't wait a week. Use the previously mentioned verses as Romans 3 as a roadmap of sorts to get you started, delve into the scripture, find those resources that explain how salvation works. Don't waste any time because it is urgent and every day is a gift and a blessing that is not guaranteed. So with all that said, this is going to officially wrap up episode five, A Sinful Nature. We'll see you next week. Like I said at the beginning, I encourage everyone listening to use the topics covered in this episode as a gateway into your own study of God's Word. Hopefully one of the verses mentioned or perspectives offered has inspired you to dig deeper and further your understanding of who God is, and then take that understanding and apply it to your daily walk. With all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Count of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, 
love your enemies, and count your blessings.